Good evening, everyone. Let's uh, let's get started. Hey Jen. Hey Noah, how you doing? All right, it's uh, it's Wednesday night again, and we're all crossed out again. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, I don't know. I think we we can we can almost dive uh, straight into it. Uh, just in order to preface this by talking for a second about the thing we're not going to be talking about, I guess, and not for any reason other than I don't know. It's. Uh, the saddest, most depressing, awful shit in the entire universe. And even more so than, because you think war, you know, you can even talk about war in like a cold geopolitical way. And I guess there are cold political ways to discuss this, but I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's awful. It's there. And and I don't know what this venue in this moment will contribute to the discourse and whether or not, any of you here want to specifically listen to more of that when that's what you're getting everywhere else as well? I think my biggest summation of the situation in Uvalde is, okay, I graduated high school in 1999. Obviously, I was still in high school for a couple of months post-Columbine. And so this is a conversation that has been happening repeatedly for literally all of my adult life. And so I really don't know at this point what else there is to add or say about it. Um, I mean, perhaps we can talk about this more on Sunday. Maybe not. We're not entirely sure because you guys know we don't we don't plan things. We don't, that's, we're, we're not, we're not adult people that plan things. We don't do that, but it's kind of like, I mean, it's the same conversation over and over and over again. And I mean, this particular iteration of it. And the only reason I say maybe we can discuss it on Sunday is because there has been some particularly vile accusations thrown out about the shooter and everybody kind of trying to like latch onto a certain false narrative that this shooter was a trans woman. He was not. I mean, we know who the shooter was. The cop shot him dead. Like we all know who the shooter was, but it just, I, I feel like this particular, like more so than even the Buffalo shooting or any other shooting, I feel like this one is going to some kind of gross places. And so maybe we can discuss that at a later time but i mean as far as discussing the shooting itself i mean yeah it's a shooting at an elementary school like it's shitty like what else are you gonna say about that like it feels kind of kind of like really fucked up to try to make any kind of political point here other than just to say this sucks like there's dead kids like that's not good yeah 
and uh, and again, I don't know, I don't know if uh, if if we are going to be, you know, if th- this is the place that uh, anything uh, will get done on that topic. But uh, but yeah, we'll 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 uh, we'll see what the the next few days will bring, and then maybe there will be uh, something to address about this on Sunday. Uh, but uh, the 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 other things we're going to discuss. I mean, uh, b- before we get to uh, to the Georgia uh, elections, which are also an, a sort of an important topic, it's not that we're going to just discuss uh, bullshit. We are going to discuss some bullshit, though. So, like, be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to discuss Chris Hemsworth's ass, but we'll do that later. We'll, yes, we'll there is. Stuff yes, there is a reason for it. Although I don't, I don't think either of us need a reason to discuss Chris Hemsworth's ass. But I mean, we're we happen to have a reason to discuss it in this instance. Uh, but uh, yeah, before we get to Georgia and the elections, we just have a small make good about Nina Jankowitz, who we've discussed already, both on call and in our podcast. Uh, and and actually, I, I the, I'm more mentioning this not to. To, to like flex for myself, but to actually bring about another point that I made on Colin about how blue checks are worth too much. And yeah, because Nina Jankowitz, for whatever reason, like responded to something. I didn't even at mention her or quote tweet her. I think uh, she somehow was made aware of my tweets and then came in to like argue with me about whatever, some paper that she wrote, and I don't know what. Uh, the type of thing that would have never, ever happened before I got verified, even when I was using my real name and even when I had, you know, as many followers as I have now. Uh, and why? For what reason? Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm saying I'm not, nothing I did changed. Twitter decided randomly that in the fifth or sixth time that I requested verification, they were going to give it to me, right? But then all of a sudden, I have this perceived importance. Like, I kind of, it matters to people to respond. I also got blocked by a ton of people that I had tweeted, like, you know, like uh, adversarially at forever and never got a response or a reaction. And then all of a sudden, they. They noticed and blocked me. It's very, it's an interesting thing to observe. You've got authority. Yeah, I, and and again, and I, I'll keep saying this. I, as someone who has one now, I will be happy to see it devalued. I don't, I don't relish. I mean, obviously, it's something that I can use to my advantage, but I, it's not. It's weird. I often like remark to myself that it's odd how differently all of a sudden I'm viewed by a lot of people just because of that. And, and, and it, there is no, it's just random. It's just, there's somebody who just presses a button and gives you the little blue check, right? We got blue, we got blue checks here on Colin, you know? Um, So yeah, I, I, I was just, I was, I just thought it was funny that Nina Jankowitz decided to come argue with me. And, and, and then when I cornered her to get like a very specific answer on something, she then was like, she pulled the, you know, I'll be happy to discuss this on another <laughs> venue, even though she was discussing this up until that moment on this venue. And then she did the annoying victim thing. Like, I know, I, you know, cause I've been getting bullied and threatened. And I was like, I also get bullied and threatened and I'm not, you know, a presidential appointee at the, at the Department of Homeland Security. Like, that's not, you're not a victim. Like, you're a high-level government official. It doesn't make, 
things that are tweeted at her okay? Like, obviously not. But but the the to paint someone like her, who again was appointed to a high level position in the federal government, you know, to act like oh poor Nina was bullied, she took on a very public job in a very like rough sphere, and her history, uh, you know, was a, an engine of a lot of the criticism and the mockery of her, and that's tough shit. That's the world that she was appointed to, like police, essentially. But that is kind of how certain people position themselves on social media is you, you, you kind of develop this persona of, you know, you start shit and then you claim that like, Oh, everybody's being so mean to me and I'm being bullied. And it's so sad. And it's like, you are in a position of extreme power. Please stop talking. Shut up. You know, you do not know the half of it. Like it, but it, but it is that very specific online persona that people craft because it does attract a certain sort of following. You do get that like simp army where everybody comes comes and defends you. It's like, oh, you're being so mean to her. Why are you being mean to her? I'm like, um, sir and madam, this is Twitter. Um, have you been here? Have you seen how we operate here? Like. Yes, if, if you say something stupid, if you do something stupid, if you post a stupid TikTok, like, yes, people are going to get at you about it. Like somebody posted the other day, and I had to quote tweet it just because it was just the dumbest thing, that everybody who attacks anybody who uses the old fire in a crowded theater argument about free speech, that it's cliche to, like, body anybody who makes that comment and also that it's kind of like mean and bullying. I'm like, no, you're factually incorrect. And if you're going to keep being factually incorrect on the internet, people are going to show up to explain to you that you are being factually incorrect on the internet. Like it's not being mean. It's telling you that you're just fucking wrong. Yeah. Well, and, and the, I, again, this idea of nut picking and the idea that, Sure, because it's this big bathtub where everybody's, in, you know, uh, like soaking in it at the same time. It's it, you can it, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the really bad ones. But once again, in that case, don't 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 be active on Twitter. I think there was some report where DHS like didn't let her comment about it on Twitter, and immediately when she left the thing, she went straight to Twitter. Yeah. And the idea is maybe maybe don't even look at Twitter at all if you're in such a sort of exposed position in such of a uh, you know a position that's exposed to this exact uh, you know like a, a online sphere of toxicity and stuff. Don't immerse yourself in it. That's a you're you're getting in your own way. But. Um, yeah. Anyway, we've we've spoken about this uh, already. Uh, I think uh, I think I want to I, I want to talk a little about the Georgia primaries because you are from Georgia uh, and therefore have some more um, insight on this. Uh, from basically, aside for a couple of things here and there, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, whatever, uh, it seems that uh, Trump basically bet on a bunch of losers, like. Uh, Metaphorically and literally, I guess. <laughs> um, but that 
essentially, if you were to draw some very flat conclusion from this, it's that uh, they blame Trump for uh, losing the the Senate runoffs in 2020 or 20. Yeah, 2020. I mean, and he did, and I can prove it mathematically. I mean, literally, if on those 2020 runoffs, which Georgia is very weird how we do Senate races, like there is, you have to get at least 50% of the vote. So if you don't do that, it automatically triggers a runoff, and that's what happened. Um, the bleed off of Trump voters who voted in the initial votes versus the runoff votes if a fraction of those voters would have showed up for the runoff votes, both Republicans would have won their Senate seats. This is literally on Trump. You cannot blame it on anybody else. It's because you started this bullshit about how voting is rigged and elections are rigged and it's all bullshit and blah, 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 blah. So you depressed voter turnout. And so that's how Republicans lost both of the Senate seats to Georgia. So fast forward to this year. Um, our current governor, the inc- the incumbent, Bryant Kemp, beat David Perdue by, I, I forget what the spread was at this point. Did 50, he finally make it to 50? 50, 50, 50 Did they make something it to like 50? that? I think it might have been 50 or somewhere in the neighborhood of 50, yes. Yeah, and the other kind of more under the radar but possibly more significant win was that, and also side note, here in the state of Georgia, we vote on the Secretary of State's. Um, Brad Raffensperger, mm-hmm. who was, as if anybody remembers this whole election debacle, de- like trying to uh, challenge election results, everybody remembers Raffensperger was the guy that Donald Trump called up in Georgia yes, and asked the guy to find the, the votes. <laughs> yes, the guy from the... The other very perfect phone call, not the not the yeah. Ukraine, not the Ukraine phone call, <laughs> the Georgia phone call. Um, yes, someone who, you know, in 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 many sort of right wingy circles was seen as a totally done done pariah, yeah. and he 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 avoided a runoff too, so he got a lot. He I think he got. Yeah. Something like fifty. I think like something like fifty percent of people like ended up voting for him, uh, and the rest split in like a very sort of small way. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting contrast because how Raffensperger was treated, especially when that whole scandal came out. I mean, he was getting death threats. There were people showing up at his house. Like it was a, a it was a legit nasty situation for him because he wouldn't like decertify the election results. And it's interesting. That one's almost more interesting to me than Kemp because the the thing that always fascinates me now in this particular environment, and it's not just conservatives, like progressives do this too, is this whole idea that, oh, we're going to primary this person. We're going to primary them and we're going to get rid of them. I'm like, y'all do realize the reason why primarying an incumbent is not something that traditionally gets done a lot is because it's an extremely difficult thing to do. Like, obviously, the incumbent is going to have the name recognition because, I mean, they're they're the incumbent. They're likely going to have the establishment support. They're going to have the fundraising dollars. It's very hard to primary an incumbent. And 
people seem to have this idea. Like, I think, I, I think they kind of got this idea from what AOC was able to accomplish in New York, which what she did, I mean, think whatever you want for politics, but being able to actually successfully primary a 17 term congressperson is amazing. Like you, like that doesn't happen. And so now like the, always the argument is, oh, we're going to primary this person. We're going to primary that person because of this, that, or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think y'all understand how difficult that is. And so obviously now Kemp is going to be the Republican nominee for governor again. This will be a second term. Presumptively, Stacey Abrams will be the Democratic nominee. So I'm not looking forward to any of this. <laughs> and by the way, and uh, it, it, it should be mentioned that, again that the turnout was like insanely high and that mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams gave some really bizarre answer to a question about that, about whether or not that shows that like there's no suppression. And she said something like suppression isn't about turnout. It's about access to the ballot or something like that. She, she yeah. it was some very incomprehensible thing that she said. Um, but uh, a thing that I saw today was, yeah, some comments. Again, this is all anecdotal, obviously, but people who uh, Republican primary voters in Georgia saying stuff like, you know, I love, you know, we love Trump, but like he he won't move on from this thing. And, and, and I do think that the fact that um, the fact that uh, uh, Trump, I, I believe that in polls, Trump is still like uh, people's number one pick uh, for uh, nominee. But a lot of them feel strongly about many others who aren't Trump, like DeSantis, for example. And on the Democratic side, you know, Biden is still the number one. But if you, but but there is very lo- there's low confidence on anyone who isn't Biden right now. There isn't like a big a Republicans who say take Trump out of the picture. Who you got? There's like three names you can easily call out, right? You can just yell out three names, including Pence, right? Who just announced that he would totally be willing to run. And it has emerged as this kind of low-key anti-Trump figure who at some point will definitely not be afraid to, like, become uh, explicitly vocal about being anti-Trump. But, yeah, the Democrats have a a problem where there is no uh, sort of alternative. Uh, But, yeah, because Trump is so hyper-focused on himself and his election loss, people who even like him don't want him anymore. They want the hymnness they want like trumpiness in someone who isn't as hyper focused on themselves specifically and i tweeted that like georgia is a weird microcosm because for me i called it on 2020 i told everybody like this georgia's going to go for biden like i live here like i can tell you what i see when i leave my house and look around my neighborhood And when I was going around and I was seeing Biden-Harris signs, like three to one over Trump signs, I'm like, I don't think y'all really understand what's going on in Georgia anymore. But yeah, it's it's definitely a very different, like, demographic. And I don't mean that as like a race thing. I mean that as like an age thing, which is going to be a massive problem for the GOP going forward, because I mean, you... It's it's like borderline toxic to even try to like identify as a Republican if you're under I don't know forty, maybe under fifty. I don't even know at this point. But yeah, it's 
it's definitely a different vibe down here. And like, I, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, I can't remember the last time I saw like a Trump sticker on a car. And this also may be a product of where in Atlanta I live. I mean, I live on the North side. I live like where I live is not particularly fancy, but my neighborhood is definitely upper middle class, definitely very college educated. We're talking six figure incomes, but also kind of a conservative area in that there's a lot of more kind of traditional sort of the men work, women stay at home, take care of the kids, soccer moms, sort of situations like that. And it's like, you don't even see Trump really mentioned around here anymore. And of course, one of the biggest stories out of this was that Trump couldn't be arsed enough to come down here and actually stump for Purdue, which is something that I questioned, especially after the 2020 election and how the GOP was still kind of wanting to stick with Trump and still make him like that figurehead. And I'm like, is this guy really going to like bother to go stump for people during a midterm election year when there's really nothing in it for him? Like there's really like there would be nothing personally beneficial for Trump if he came to Georgia and stumped for Purdue. Other and, than that's, just- and that's the thing, like, and it's not, by the way, and it's not just that he's not on Twitter, because if he were on Twitter, he would have the same problem, except that he would just be talking all the time. And the, that problem is, like you said, you don't see a lot of Trump stickers and stuff. Trump is not a figure to rally around these days, because again, all he does is obsess about himself. He doesn't, he's not a, he's not a, a loud voice about the affairs of the day. And all of the people he endorses, he endorses because their opponents didn't want to decertify the election. And, and it has nothing to do with what conservative values they might or might not push and all kinds of stuff like that. And so people right now, when there's like high, high gas prices and stuff, they don't want to talk about mail-in ballots. They want somebody who will say strong stuff about how they will fix things and the people they endorse will also pursue those same kinds of policies. And if you were out there doing that, not even on Twitter, it doesn't have to be on Twitter. Trust me, he could have have, have gone on Fox and on Newsmax and said these things. Then, yeah, you would probably see more Trump style because people would be listening to him for a good comment on what was going on and then he could act like a kingmaker but yeah he he you want to talk about you want to talk about uh you know because they say like trump broke people i think trump also broke trump in a way and i do think that yeah the uh, hit the election loss totally obliterated his ability to like focus on anything else uh to his own detriment, I mean, I mean, good. Like I personally, I don't care that he's self-sabotaging, right? But it it really is kind of amazing to watch how little regard he has for for this, for the thing you're describing, and the thing we're outlining, and the thing that polls are showing, which is that people would happily would like would see a DeSantis, for example, as a perfectly awesome alternative to Trump. They wouldn't even be sad. In a way, I think that they would be kind of if Trump, which he won't, said like, you know what, I'm not going to run, and I think Ron is a, you know, he so would never guy. Like, no, because he he of course he already hates him, and there's 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 yeah. sort of there's cumulative evidence that he despises DeSantis. But in theory, let's war game this. 
Yeah. You know, people wouldn't be like clamoring, like, no, Donald. They'd be like, okay, cool, awesome. Let's go yeah. vote for Ron DeSantis because we're going to get a lot of that kind of brash Trumpiness. I mean, he's showing it now. Like his whole battle with Disney was definitely – because we were talking about it. We were talking about how a lot of it is flex, right, and that a lot of it won't really come to pass eventually can get uh, contested in court and might get overturned later. But it was a huge victory for him in that arena, in the arena of like, I'm going to be one of those guys, was what he was saying, right? Yeah. I'm not going to be one of the wishy-washies. I'm going to be one of the people who flex. And by the way, when uh, when this uh, State Farm story came out, you know, there was some kind of State Farm was doing some kind of project with some kind of LGBT organization that was... Uh, making books for kids. I don't know the exact details, but this sort of exploded via libs of TikTok and other people. And they immediately backed down from it. And a lot of people gave DeSantis like secondary credit for this because he stood up to Disney and now corporations are afraid to be woke. Oh, and when Netflix posted their thing where it said like, if you feel uncomfortable working on content that doesn't adhere to your ideology, maybe Netflix isn't the place for you. People mention DeSantis when they speak about these events and that shows that he, you know, at least at the very least scored a win, like a cultural war win in his pursuit to be like the leader of the right in the culture wars. Yeah. And, and there's a whole rant that I could go on as far as like people kind of latching on to movements where people have been doing work for a long time and now basically wanting to come in when like the ball is on the one yard line and you want to try to go in and like spike the ball. Like, no, 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 no. You don't get to claim credit for work that other people have put in for years before you decided to show up to a situation because those people put in that work to make a certain cause or a certain situation visible enough that you are now like, okay, now I want to go be part of this too. I'm talking about Chris Rufo, by the way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, um, and, uh, these aren't general elections, obviously, yeah. like the like the Yunkin situation in Virginia, but there does there does seem to be this emergent style of Republican who you know who isn't Liz Cheney, you know, who isn't Mitt Romney, but who somehow it, you know. D- distances themselves enough from that more that louder more brash right wing to appeal to you know northern virginia soccer moms Mm -hmm. you you know and so yeah i don't know i mean it's it's hard to say right i I don't i know i don't trust political prognostication anymore anyway but uh, and so I, I I don't believe that there is any definitive evidence on whether or not Trump can or can't do this or that or will or won't. And between now and, and you know, whenever a, a candidacy would have to be sort of formally announced, we have at least, I don't know, 18 months or something like that. I don't know how, how, mm-hmm. how far in advance does somebody announce that they are running for president? A year? I mean, I would imagine just going off of the 2020 cycle, 
And let's see, it's 2022. People are probably going to start announcing end of this year, early next year. So, yeah, I'm so essentially after the yeah. midterms, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so let's say, let's say about a year. Let's say we have about a year. Um, and this, we are in a situation that's getting worse, like in, in where you can see it getting worse. You know what yeah. I mean? You can see gas prices going up. This isn't like the frog in the pot where you don't notice the water going up. Like we're in a situation that's getting very dire right now. And so between now and next year, who knows what's going to happen, right? And uh, and so it, I, I find it very hard to to definitively say Trump is the, the whatever who, you know, Trump could get a heart attack for all. I was going to say he could die tomorrow. We don't know. Right. And like, and the same thing could happen with Biden. And then, and you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many, once we get to, <laughs> let's get to the actual thing. Yeah. And then we can talk about it. I mean, I still remember, I, st- I really do still remember the 2016 election in a very vivid way. The, the utter confidence of that entire day where it was like, it's not even, is it even worth, I said to my yeah. aunt, is it even worth, should we even like get a pizza and watch the elect? Like is, mm-hmm. is who can't, who gives a shit? Let's go to bed early. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean that. And so it, uh, that was somewhat of the, de- the final death of my, like <laughs> my, <laughs> my sense that I had any ability to like, to, that like my gut feeling about how something was going to play out. Cause the, I always have this sort of pessimistic uh, drive to, to think that like the surprising shocking thing is never going to happen. It's always going to be the predicted boring outcome. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, I was like, Holy shit, we do live in a simulation, I guess. <laughs> right. I, it was a kind of a weird moment like that where I was like, Oh, Oh no, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> And I'll admit, I was one of those people that went to bed early in 2016. So I was just like, I, whatever, like, I'm sure Hillary is going to win this. And then I woke up the next morning. I'm like, oh, well, look at this shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Whew. I, I'll say, I'll, uh, I'll tell the story again. It's my, the story I tell all the time. And at, at the time I uh, used to take the bus to work and there was a couple who lived in my building and would always sit at the bus stop when I would go down to work. And the, the day after the election was like a rainy, a cold, rainy morning in Washington, DC. And I walked down to the bus stop and they were sitting there and she was on his shoulder weeping, like audibly weeping with like oh. racking sobs. <laughs> you could hear her from like a far away. And I was like, Oh shit. And then I had a coworker who like didn't come to, she was too upset to come to work. And I was like this, and, and I, I could already see, I was like, this is, it's going to be years of this now. Like this is going to be the theme of years now. Uh, and it was, <laughs> and, so it wa- and so it was, at least I was right about that. One of the fantastic things about being a libertarian is knowing that whoever wins, you're going to fucking hate it. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, there was a there was a remarkably 
sort of uh, uh, um, be, like a beyond a policy yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. And it happened on both sides. Never mind. We don't have to talk about how Trump's election wrecked society. <laughs> we, we already know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we're going to mention one more thing before we take some calls. We've had a caller on the... On, uh, in the queue for the whole show but we so we had a funny so jen and i had a funny mini discussion about something that actually turned into a maybe a semi-serious topic that we can bring up uh the, the thor love and thunder uh, trailer came out i know i if, if you don't give a, a crap about marvel we're not actually talking about that so don't worry but yeah. there's a, a scene in, at the end of it that's played for a gag where uh chris hemsworth has all of his clothes blown off magically by the god Zeus. And you see him from behind and he's totally naked. And it's a gag that's played for sexuality, like all the women and also one man faint yeah, from faint how now. good he looks. And yeah, and, and there's this whole like audible, <gasps> the audience has like a gasping and whatever. And um, and yeah, we were we were talking, and yeah, it is cliche to, to, to mention this, but we were talking about the... The, the interesting nature of how uh, you're for, – for men, you can easily play that as a gag for men, whereas for women, that scene is like disgusting and very, very inappropriate. Um, yeah, go ahead. And, and so like the way the scene is set up for anybody who hasn't watched the trailer, um, so basically Thor is there and he's like chained into place like – I, I think that's kind of an important aspect too. He's like chained in the place, and Zeus so. accidentally like like snaps away too much of his clothing, and he's sitting there, and he's like literally naked. And like in the the, the trailer, like they show they show the shot from behind because I mean clearly it's MCU. You're not going to see like full frontal nudity here, but you can tell like they kind of like blurred it out for the trailer, but you can tell like from the back you can see him completely naked. Yes. And so it's like the whole scene is kind of like played for last. Like, <laughs> look, we're objectifying the man because he's so hot. And it's like, what if, what if, and can you imagine if a Marvel movie of all franchises did that to a woman character? Like, could you imagine if they just decided to do that to, like, Wonder Woman? Like, yeah. people would lose their shit. Yeah, and, the and, and you know, a, sort of a common argument you hear in situations like this. Like, for instance, if they recast some white character, like a black actor in a white role, and people say, why, then why don't we do the opposite, right? I, there was a, someone on Twitter once said, if you recast... A uh, you know a, a white character is a black actor. You're combating white supremacy, but if you do the opposite, you're upholding white supremacy. Now I don't know what the hell casting has to do with white supremacy, but it embodies the argument, which is the argument is because it's because of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. then it's it's fine to joke about stuff like that and not about other things. The thing that that argument discounts entirely is. That one of the reasons that that's bad is because of how it affects uh, the mentality and the body image of people. In this case, men. In in other cases, women. Right. Uh, uh, and uh, stuff like uh, there was a, a recent. This comes up every once in a while, where underwear, some underwear ad, yes. will decide to do a a quote unquote regular women uh, campaign. 
and feature, you know, women with like, you know, non-model bodies, let's call it, because average, I, I don't like those words. I, I, it's literally, you could call it a non-professional model bodies, right, yeah. of varying sizes. But uh, on the male side, it's still all sh fucking shredded dudes with abs. It's never some a guy with a dad bod or a, a, bod, a beer belly. It's, you know, it's never that. Or even someone, you know, like, because, uh, you know, have you ever seen like a linebacker with their shirt off? Like some of them aren't like shredded cut. They have yeah. these kind of gut. They have like a big build, you know, they don't have like abs. But you even you never even see a guy like that in a. It's always like underwear models. It is always literally the the model body, whereas with women it isn't. And one of the reasons of that is again to not promote the idea that that is the only way that you should look. But that's that's important to do to both sides. It has nothing to do with the patriarchy. It's not worth. Now I think in some contexts you can do anything like that. I think that Thorgag is fine for the record, right? Yeah. I just wish we lived in a world where a context mattered and uh and it, and uh and it was appreciated that yes, this is a gag and by and but if you do some kind of other gag, what there was some recent thing. I can't remember what it was. Some shot maybe in the Batman or something like that where they said like why was why was it necessary for her to to do this or that? And it's like you know, in a context, if you want to, for example, specifically in the Batman, like if you want, if Catwoman, if one of Catwoman's attributes is she's a woman who uses her sexuality to her own advantage, then fucking male gazing her a little is like, a, there's a point, there's an artistic point to it, right? Yeah. The point is to be like, yeah, that's it, exactly, right? You're staring at her, that's exactly, that's how she yeah. gets what she wants by the fact that you're staring at her ass right now. Like there isn't a, and so... Again, I wish we lived in a world where context like that mattered and it went both ways. And there was, um, yeah, there was the story recently where uh, Sports Illustrated had a, I don't know what you want to call it, a plus size model on the cover. Yeah. Yumi knew her name is. And Jordan Peterson, for some reason I don't understand, thought that he really had to mention that he doesn't think that she was attractive. I, mean, I don't fault him for not for not thinking she's attractive. I just don't understand why he felt the need to tell people. Like, whatever. Your preferences are your preferences. But, like, it, it was a weird, this declaratory... Because what he meant was, don't put fat girls on, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was essentially yeah. what he was saying without actually saying that explicitly. Right. But, like, one, who cares? Because, like, who cares about Sports Illustrated? Unless you're, like, buying it to to jerk off and you're like, this is not, where's my, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm not going to get my, I'm not going to get my rocks off this month, Sports Illustrated. Oh, no, it's not even a magazine anymore. So, like, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to, this isn't, my point isn't to mock, to, like, go specifically after Jordan Peterson. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I give me a give me a fat dude on a on the cover of like Men's Health, Men's Health. Or something <laughs> like that. Give me a dad bod. Yeah, no, no, um, men don't have feelings. Yeah, because you know, in Thor, you? yeah, because I mean, you want to you want to talk about Thor uh, when in uh, in in Endgame, Thor because he's depressed. 
uh, yeah. he gets fat, and it's played for laughs. But, I was about to say, which is also played for laughs. And there were a few people who brought up, by the way, like uh, the point, a point that I don't disagree with at all, which is that they also they played like his mental health collapse for yeah, for laughs, and he has a funny, he has but... he has a he has a panic attack, and Rocket smacks him and basically says like, "Get a hold of yourself, you fucking bitch!" Like that's <laughs> it has some very like unhealthy ways to deal with someone who's going through stuff like that. Um, And yeah, like stuff that would be uh, far more scrutinized as that if it were, if it happened in a slightly different context. And yet I, I also think that there was something beneficial of them show, you know, having the, the sort of the guts to show someone in that state and yeah, I don't know, maybe a space raccoon wouldn't know how to properly deal with a friend who's having a mental breakdown, right? I mean, I don't know. I haven't met too many genetically engineered space raccoons. And so maybe they don't have a good bedside manner. And so, I mean, it, it, it's not like the, by the way, it's also not like the movie, uh, not like the movie um, presented those things as good, Right. It like as though that is how you should act. It was it was bad. So whatever. And like I could go down a whole rabbit hole about how I feel about how men's mental health and men's body images portrayed in media and how you're supposed to react and how I think that it's extremely unhealthy and that perhaps if we could stop stigmatizing men receiving treatment for mental health. Maybe a lot of other things would stop happening. But another reaction that I saw to that Thor, specifically like that part of the Thor trailer, was that there seems to be a little, shall we say, digital enhancements of Hemsworth's body in the pectoral region, in the ab region, and again, I don't care, like whatever, but could you imagine if that same situation was with a woman and they did that scene and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you you went in and like did a little CGI and made her boobs a little bigger and made her tummy a little flatter and made her ass Oof. a little wider. Like. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, there was a lot of controversy about, you know, like retouching in the in the sort of glamour yeah. magazine industry. Sure. But, you know, you know where you know where that that gag flies fine with women anime where like the gag of like a woman will have her clothes blown off by the wind or something like that. (laughs) That's, that's, that happens in anime and yeah, Western people have a fucking fit when that happens in an anime show. Whereas a lot of, I usually, it's funny, like uh, an extremely common thing that happens in these controversies. And again, I'm not making a value judgment here is that some Western fans will complain about something being sexist in an anime or a manga. And then it'll turn out that it's made by a woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this happens all the time. Now, again, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not saying that the fact that it's made by a woman somehow shields it from being sexist or disgusting. But I'm just saying it's extremely common to see that that happens. And and there are. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. We're not going to get into dumb anime stuff. But uh, I think uh, I think we're ready for our first call. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I see Lance has been on the on the uh, on in the queue all the time. I'm 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 just doing a, a slow prep because I know it takes people a second to like get ready to talk when I bring them on. And so I'm just like at a slow leader. OK, so here I'm going to press a button now and I'm going to bring Lance on the call. Uh, hey, Lance, how's it going? 
Hey, guys, great, great, great conversation. Good, thank you. Thank you. And um, as far as, I, you know, I understand it. You know, you don't want to just ridicule and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, put Jordan Peterson down. Well, I do. <laughs> I mean, the dude's, the, the, the dude's an absolute putz. Now, I've, been, I've watched his lectures. Some of them are interesting. But he's like, uh, basically... He talks to want to be kind of a self-help. He's basically he's got the credibility of Dr. Phil, only a little less. But, uh, you know, because he's a self-help guy. He's like, so, man, you know, it's like Intel. If you don't, if you aren't attractive to, to women, then you just got to do the things and be a man, stand up and be a be a strong man and and, and, and do the things that, that are going to that are going to make you attractive to women. Don't 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 just think that they're gonna like you because you're nice. You gotta you gotta be strong as long as long as you're not attracted to fat women because they're because they're ugly. And so if you're attracted to fat women, then 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 you're a loser and then you're not you're not doing it right. So as long as it's an attractive woman who's got who's not overweight, then you can you can make yourself worthy of women and then be a man in society. But if, but but if it's if it's fat girls, then 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 you're just an idiot and an asshole and a loser. So just get over it. Right. Isn't that about what he's saying? <laughs> I, uh, and you know what? It, the, the thing that you're saying is that's one of the reasons that I don't – I never like people who have like a, a full philosophy. Like you said, like if he has an, a, a, an interesting lecture on something, send me the interesting lecture that he delivers on something. But people who look to the same figure for advice on like everything, you're you're looking for trouble because nobody's nobody has good opinions about everything. It's also the trap that like pundits fall into. Like people who have daily yeah, but, shows. But, but, but exactly. But yeah, that's a, that's even if it's smart people. But what if you're an idiot about everything all the time? Then it's like just like whoa, you know? <laughs> he just doesn't have any good takes on anything. That's He's fine. an idiot. I would love to sit down with the guy because he loves to talk to college freshmen, like you know, on Fox or or on MSNBC, where Chris Matthews would say he would he would trade with he would treat with kid gloves like a senator. But if you're a freshman in college who just has a free speech. You know, thing that like made the AP on, you know, oh, he'll hammer them every five seconds like they're like a seasoned pro. It's just bullshit, right? That's what Jordan Peterson loves to do. Oh, he'll take on anyone as long as you're like in the audience of a, of a, like a freshman class or something. He turns down to any kind of argument with people that are at his level at all ever. He's a, he's a putz. He's a putz. It's all there is to it. But, you know, but as far as okay. the thing about, uh, about bipartisanship, I'm the pundit here. It's like as far as all the stuff you guys were talking about, right? Here's the Democrats. We're going to tell you how much we love. We Yes, of course, we support all this stuff. But we're going to tell you why it can't happen. And the GOP is going to tell you, why do we need to fix anything? Everything's fine. So between the two of them, they got it covered. We can't have anything ever. You know? And it's like, it's ridiculous. Because why does Europe have all, you know, it's like American exceptionalism and all that stuff. It's like, how can anyone not real? It took me a little while, maybe, that it's like the two parties are completely, thoroughly corrupt. And the Democrats are, they're both equally corporate and corrupt, but the Democrats are worse because they're more hypocritical. Yeah. Oh, what's going on? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, okay. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to take the next call. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll 
Should I call again? I just love it back and forth, though. You know, whatever. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, man. Uh, I mean, you can, yeah. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I don't. Sorry, I'm I'm very clumsy with this stuff. I think uh, here we got uh, Joseph now in the queue. I'll know. Sorry I'll about know that, Lance. But about. yeah, like no, I know whatever. Um, yeah, he's he he's we'll we'll bring him back after this. Uh, so we yeah, yeah we're we're on with Joseph now. Hello, how's it going? All right, how are you? Doing good. It's like actually my first time kind of participating in the show. Long time listener, Thank first you. time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I guess the Thor debate is kind of interesting since I've seen everybody like kind of like talk about it. It's kind of a weird dichotomy that I never thought about because like with everything is sort of like the cultural debate. It's always so easy to point out sort of like double standards of like. Oh, women can do this, but men can't do this. And I thought, like, your point about, like, Sat Thor was kind of, like, interesting. But, um, I guess for me, it's, like, mostly it's just I'm kind of indifferent to it since I'm, like, I'm not interested in seeing this movie anyway. And I guess <laughs> the whole topic of, like, sort of nudity per se, like, I don't care. Like, mostly I've just kind of been used to, like, nudity in films, especially since, like, I grew up on, like, older, like, films from, like, the... <laughs> excuse me, the 70s and the 80s, so it's just mostly like a, a topic of difference than I am for me, but then kind of seeing the sort of the base on Twitter, it kind of makes you like sort of kind of look back and sort of be interested by seeing like the whole like divide of like what's appropriate for women to do, what's appropriate for men to do, and like what's right or what's wrong, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm usually pretty, pretty chill about stuff like that, um, but yeah, it is interesting to see like what kind of things cause like extreme, extreme reactions and what stuff doesn't at all. Um, and yeah, indie films, you know, I mean, uh, on, uh, on this week's uh, ambitious crossover attempt, <laughs> Jen and I talked about men, which we both saw <laughs> this weekend. And, uh, and uh, I, next weekend after next is uh, David Cronenberg's new movie, Crimes of the Future, drops. And I saw a review of it that said that it was even less accessible than men. <laughs> and I said, like, oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> actually, what's funny, about, what's funny about men is that it actually features a lot of full frontal male nudity. And it's never why, – why is it never the men I want to see naked? That's all yes, I want to know. It's very, it's highly, it's, it's highly un, it's highly unsexy. <laughs> It's very, uh, it's very, uh, it's very like explicit and weird and gross. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be seeing Hemsworth full frontal in Thor. And I'm, I mean, I, I, it's funny to me to kind of look at things because I know that like, if I wanted to make a comment about a man on the internet, like if I wanted to make like a tweet or something like objectifying a man nobody's going to give me shit about it but if you made a tweet about a woman objectifying her you're going to get shit for it and it's like it's that weird dichotomy like i can say like whatever the hell i want about a dude i can sit there and post like oh my god look at chris hemsworth's ass isn't that so great and like nobody's going to give me shit but yeah and and like i said the main argument against that is like you know historic uh, uh disparity of power and stuff like that but I, I still think the right way to think about that is what potential harm are you causing, and and if there is potential harm, then 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 still don't do it. You know, like my favorite thing, you know, is when when somebody says like, you can't be racist against white people. Somebody will say to me, you can't be racist against white people, and my reply will be, then why are you trying so hard? 
because <laughs> nobody ever says that in defense of like nice behavior. Like you're saying it in defense of shit behavior almost always, you know, like you say something disgusting and someone says, oh, you're a racist. And they say, no, I can't be a racist because you're white. And it's like, OK, well, you're still being disgusting, though. Like what kind of a weird defense is that? You can't call me a racist, though. He hasn't been shitty. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Yeah, Joseph. Anything? Uh, anything else? Uh. I guess being. Question being, or comment? <laughs> I guess being. I guess being like the lone Peterson fan. I do kind of agree with you on the last point you made. That say like, not everyone is right on everything, and you don't. You shouldn't listen to like everything everyone says. Because mostly that is true, and I think especially for Peterson, because I think this last couple of, um, well, this last year or so, it's kind of fallen into that trap of, like, having to comment on every, like, cultural hot-button issue. But most of the time, my rule is, like, you shouldn't have to comment on everything, even if you feel obliged to your audience, though. Even though like, I'm mostly, like, positive, like, towards Peterson, I think in a way, like, he should, like, limit his time on Twitter and should stick to what he's good at, sort of, like, his lectures and some of his lectures are interesting and some of his interviews are actually pretty interesting, but I think it's kind of like falling into that dichotomy of I must say something on everything and I must have like a hot, I must have like a hot, I must like say something on every hot button issue when most of the time, like you really shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and it's, and, and, uh, it, it like current media atmosphere, like incentivizes you to both say stuff all the time uh, be extreme about it and also like never back down if you later like realize you screwed up and you said the wrong yeah. thing to like somehow yeah. worm out of having to actually say that. No, yeah. you gotta double down. It's bad. It's a bad soup. Well, especially uh, it's been uh, pretty evident after um, today <laughs> with, uh, with uh, yeah. talking about the shooting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Uh, all right. Oh, okay, you know what? I'll let me let me bring uh, Lance up for. Uh, he has, I think, another comment before we uh, before we call it a night. Thanks a lot, Joseph. I hope yes, to see you again. You. And, mm-hmm. Stop by anytime we do this. Not when we don't do this, because then we won't be here to take your call. So <laughs> they know that. Know them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome back, Lance. Hey guys, you know, look, I could talk for an hour about anything and be interesting about it. Big deal. No, no, but what I mean is it's your show. So, like, tell me what I should comment on because I've told you what I thought about Jordan Peterson and about like Democrat, Republicans both suck, (laughs) you know, equally pretty much. But, but, like, you know, like what, you know, in a way, like, what is the thrust of the. I only joined late, but I'd love to have at least a brief comment with you guys because you're very, very, very. Like fun and humorous and interesting. Uh, maybe I'll just say that, that the humor is gone in politics anymore, which is sad. But like, what what do you guys like think about that? Like, so you know, like tonight's show was featured about, and I'll give you a last comment about it or something. You know. <laughs> oh, you're actually kind of breaking up because. I'm not just saying that, by the way. Yeah, you're trying to break. You're, up. Uh, you're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you no, should. I mean, okay. you should. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what to what to say. But you should. Uh, you should stop. You should stop by every week. And also, like, I don't know. We also. I think we we haven't really done a a, a thing like this yet. Like a, a Q and A. I don't know. I I never. Yeah. 
I don't want to propose a Q and A because then, because then, because then, if nobody has a question to ask, you're just kind of stuck there, like doing nothing. What do you guys? What do you guys? Okay, what do you? What do you guys think about any chance whatsoever of hope for the Democrats? Because obviously, all right, versus third party. You mean like in 2022 in this upcoming uh, midterm? No, today, right now. You know what I mean? So in other words, okay, here I'll finish with this. Okay. You know, so there's no chance. Both parties are gone. There's no chance. And the thing is, is that, okay, Obama, we had Obama, right? Supposed to be a progressive. He had 60 plus, he had 60 votes in the Senate. And he had an overwhelming majority in the House. The convenient villains then were Joe Lieberman and Ben Nelson. It was a joke then. Ben Nelson of Nebraska. He was, he was, instead of Kirsten Cinema. It was Joe Lieberman of Connecticut and Ben Nelson of Nebraska. Red state then, you know, red state done. And they held up everything. And they, you know, made sure that it, nothing was going to get done right. That, that's, that's the way it was. And Max Baucus was the number one Democrat or Republican senator in terms of receiving pharmaceutical money, pharma money. He is who, and insurance money, he was who Obama put in charge in the Senate of pharma. Okay, he put the number one recipient, Democrat senator, of pharma money. Obama did. Okay, Max Baucus, look it up, right? To be the guy that was going to negotiate, that's why we don't have negotiation of prices like every other country and the vets do. So that's Obama with 60 votes in an overwhelming house. So my question is, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that there's any hope at all for two parties. And we've had so much success with third parties over the years. First of of all, the the Democratic and Republican Party came out of the Whigs and the Jeffersonian Democrats. Talk about the Jeffersonian Democrats and Lincoln. Okay, the Democratic Party formed in 1854. Lincoln got elected in in 1860, six years later. So they started as a third party. Six years later, they had a president. So what I'm saying is, all this time, and we can't get nothing done through the party. So I think that the two parties are completely shot. The only hope is third party and fourth party and fifth party, because that's what happens in Europe. Now, we're not going to get to, and we do have those. We have the Green Party. We have the Working Family Party. We have the two major parties that we already have for kind of fairly, you know, significant parties can go to the states and local, right? And so, but no, I think there's zero hope for a duopoly. It's just gone. It was never going to work in the first place. And it's more proven now than ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, I think uh, here, I think we'll, uh, I think uh, Jen, I will, uh, will make uh, some closing remarks. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll comment on this. We'll comment on this right now. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Um, I think that, um, I I think that something really major would need to happen. And by really major, unfortunately, that usually means like millions of people dying. And the, the weird part is that, we even had a thing that killed a million people. We just had a thing that killed a million people, right? But it was a weird, slow, creeping death. I'm talking more like a nuke, like a nuke or something like that, or like a, or like a the Omicron variant of monkeypox that kills, you know, take fifty million people or something like that. It's, I mean, we're, we're you know, and you you chuckle at it, but yeah, like you would something really big would need to happen to kind of shatter. It into sort of multiple viable parties. 
I mean, obviously, I'm a libertarian, so clearly I believe in the idea of third party. <laughs> <laughs> been, been here for over a decade, so. Yeah, but I mean, would, so you would, here, here's my question. As a libertarian, because I think that uh, the, the, what would need to happen was the parties would need to splinter as opposed to like other things coming in and washing them out. So like, let's say the Republican Party breaks up into three different things, like a MAGA party, a something party or in that kind of situation, the Libertarian Party would have the opportunity to maybe swallow some of that, but it would need to become slightly less libertarian, maybe <laughs> potentially. That's the thing you would need to be, you would need to develop these kind of mutations, and it would become this sort of race of who can gather the 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 most cohesive, but also like not you know, like duopoly kind of party. It'll be a, a weird, like madcap thing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind a European style sort of situation where you have five or six different parties and it is way too late in this call-in episode for me to start getting into internecine bullshit about the Libertarian Party and, yes. and all of that. And that's actually kind of funny because there's, the conference is coming up next weekend. Or, oh no, boy. this weekend. Then, but again, dance, this weekend. Dance, dance this weekend. around in a in a uniform <laughs> outfit, in a unicorn outfit, or something like that. No, no, no don't make fun of Berman Supreme. He's a sweet man. <laughs> and on that I've weird note, personally. Yes. <laughs> anyway, on that weird note, I think we're gonna we're gonna end uh, this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Um, uh, you know, as you know, uh, listening to this on the actual call-in app is very helpful to us. But you can now get these uh, pods on Apple, uh, Spotify, and also, what's the third one? Um, I mean, Google Play. You should, I, from what oh, right. I've been yeah. told and understand. It's, on, it's, it's on everything? Yeah, because it is an RSS feed. So from what I understand, it's on all of the things. Everything, okay. everywhere, all at once. Um. Yes, exactly. Everything bagel. Uh, I, that's what I get. That's what I get for wading into the territory that is actually yours. So instead of like trying to screw up your fucking bit, uh, where can people find our actual, our other podcast, The Ambitious Crossover Tent? Okay, our, I, I'm not even going to say it's like our, our like nice, clean, professional podcast because it's not, it, it's, it's a mess too. Yes, but, no, it, it's, it's a pre-recorded mess instead of a live mess. <laughs> but you can find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, all the other podcast catchers. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and also youtube.com slash C slash Neon Taster and twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Uh, more streams coming soon. I took a little bit of a break, but it'll, it's, it's happening. It's happening. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. And we're going to see you next Wednesday and also uh, happy, happy, happy Memorial Day. It's, is it happy? What do you say? How do you wish people? It, it, have a have a good long weekend. Yes, uh, and I think uh, yes, I think ambitious crossover attempt is coming out on Tuesday of this week instead of Monday. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you, Jen. Thank, Thank you. Your, you know. Thanks good to night, the callers. Everybody. Good night. Thanks.